Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody, 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 six episodes in. It's One Man's Opinion, the podcast that's sweeping the nation. It is your boy, Jeff Vance, spending uh, another hour plus with y'all and hanging out and talking some fantasy football and whatever else comes into my crazy, warped, twisted mind here on the program. Appreciate you guys downloading, spreading the word, and uh, getting that word out there, folks. We, we love to do more of these episodes. Uh, you know, no commercials, uncensored. Make sure that you are uh, putting your earbuds in or noise-canceling headphones or whatever. Don't let the kitties hear uh, if you're in the car or something like that. Maybe uh, put you know, play it later at night because I'm going to curse on this show. I'm going to say words. I'm going to say bad words and all that. So be warned. I am Jeff Mans. By the way, you find me every weekday afternoon on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time on uh, the Fantasy Sports Radio station hosting elite sports. You can find me over at fantasyguru.com, all things seasonal fantasy football rankings and projections and buy low and sell high, the trade market roster trends, uh, the running back grid, the slot wide receiver grid, like all the good stuff for seasonal fantasy sports. You find it at fantasyguru.com. Remember, not just a draft guide, not just the season, not just rankings. We have a lot of analysis over there as well. Check it out. Elitefantasy.com is all your daily fantasy sports information. If you aren't seeing what we're doing on elitefantasy.com and daily fantasy football, remember it's documented. It's all fact. 15 out of 17 winning weeks in 2020. 15 out of 17. We're four for four this year. Unprecedented. It's crazy. I know it's unsustainable. I keep saying that, but we keep winning. Hopefully that continues on through uh, week five at the very least. EliteFantasy.com, core four, cash game breakdown, GPP breakdown, multiple lineup optimizers and cheat sheets and live chats and coaching, how to build better lineups, what to look for, how to analyze games and game scripts, all that. We're here to help. And of course, EliteSportsBetting.com, you find me over there. By the way, I was one in four in my five-team parlay that I give out on SiriusXM on Friday for week number three. And I was pissed. Don't get me pissed. When I'm pissed, I get motivated. And this past week, Elite Sports Betting, well, I was 5-0 and in the parlay on Sirius XM. And then for the entire week, Thursday through Sunday, 11-0 and in my NFL bets at EliteSportsBetting.com. Now, uh, you know, well over 500 once again. I was kind of teetering there for a, while, a little bit. Now 11 games under. I was 1-1. One on the Monday night game. So I had the chargers and I had the over missed on the over by a touchdown, but uh, had the chargers minus three. So one and one 12 and one for the entire week, Thursday through Monday night for week number four, we'll look to run that back again on elite sports If you belong to one or not all of them um, hit us up support at elitefantasy.com. That is where you ask for the big three, big three is all three sites. It's $250 for the rest of the year. That's everything we do. And we're not just kind of sitting on things and seeing how it goes. We just launched a brand new discord for all three sites. Get us 20 access to us and our staff 24 seven live voice chats, video chats, coaching 
most important roster coaching, who to add, who to drop from our fantasy guru team every week, trades, uh, our baseball seasonal baseball, postseason DFS, postseason baseball betting, our NFL, everything. What you know, you want to line up coaching every day. We do Ted will be in there on Wednesdays with the running back coach and Chris Rose on Tuesdays with the quarterback coach. And you talk about what do you look for? Deep passer ratings, a short passing ratings, a matchup analysis. What do they look for? Pricing wise, cash, GPP, all of this information. We're here to help all of you. And the same with our sports betting package over at elitesportsbetting.com. All of it now has a discord. And if you get in now as well, folks, because the price won't be going down. Um, I think we got one drop at the midway point of the season and that's it because we're launching new items, new tools, elite sports data it, that's launching here. That will be included with all your subscriptions. Currently it's going to be um, you're also, we got an app coming out here during this NFL season. So we got a lot going on. Make sure you get in. Now, ladies and gentlemen, and get in while we're hot as well. So there we go. Follow me on social media at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. Got a lot to talk about here today, folks. Trying to do more teaching on this podcast. You know, you guys have asked for it. I think Ray and I did a good job last week, kind of doing some discussion methods. And today I'm going to attack um, teams to best matchups basically for the passing game quarterbacks wide receivers and then for running backs i mean those best matchups the teams that we are stacking against or going against for each of those uh positions tight ends as well including the past ones uh we'll talk about that today we'll reflect on week number four a little bit more i got starts and sits for week five coming up our bet of the week our upset of the week our survivor pick of the week as well so definitely a lot to get to every on the, this episode. A couple things to talk about. So, um, uh, oh, I'll, I'll start out with a little, uh, I'm going to, now I'll, I'll go right into it. I've got some tips for all the married guys out there and all the gentlemen out there as well. And ladies, this is on you too. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to start the show with that. You guys bitch too much. <laughs> Half hour, I didn't learn anything. You and Ray talked about whatever. Shut the fuck up, you fucking whiners. God damn it. Nothing pissed me off more than whiners. This is a show. This is not, we're not just giving stats. I'll give you the stats. I'll know what to, no, we're not, that's not what this is. It's never going to be that. Here's the thing. I want everybody to do this. Elite Mafia, where you at? Healthy relationships. It's part of a healthy lifestyle. And um, I, again, I've learned it, man. I've learned it the hard way many, many times over by go get the, the just because flowers right now, go get the just because flowers, 1-800-flowers.com or wherever. Um, I'm not that they're not promoting this or anything like that. I don't care where you go. Fucking go to the fucking grocery store, whatever the just because flowers, that's what you do. Don't wait for the birthday, the anniversary, the just because go get the flowers, go get some, something, whatever it is. Something nice. It, it could be anything. Go get your a coffee cake or a dessert item, a Dairy Queen or something. Go do something and just say, eh, just felt like it. No, no obligation. Just do that. Trust me, guys. That's the way in. That's the way you break through the tension, the household, the day-to-day, the bills, all that shit. Ladies, do the same thing for your man. Whatever it is. For the, the, the dudes, it's mostly sexual. I'll be honest. That's, that's mostly what you're looking for. But if not, go get, again, stomach. 
<laughs> go get a uh, a steak, you know what I mean, or a uh, you know burger joint that your guy likes or whatever it is, you know, do these little things and it's key to a healthy lifestyle. And I'll tell you what else I think it all relates because this football season, every football season, there's so much energy and there's so much anger and hostility and it projects itself. I, I block people on social media. I don't ever block people. I unblock everybody eventually, but on Sundays I have to block people because I'm not dealing with bullshit. Right. I'm not going to deal with the bullshit of just non just ridiculous behavior and, and coming at me, Travis Kelsey suck. Oh, fuck off. The dumbest fucking thing a human being has said in the last week to end anywhere in the world. And that's that it's um, so those things, there's hostility, there's anger, there's aggression. If you don't win your matchups, if you don't win your DFS, if you don't win your bets, you get so fucking pissed. We all do go do something. That's positive. I say go get late. That's what I tell everybody. Go pound one out afterwards, after Sunday afternoon, go pound one out. That's the way to go. Just get that toxin out of your body and just move on with your life. But go do something positive for your lady, your wife, girlfriend, both, whatever, whatever. I'm judge-free zone here on one man's opinion, just saying. And the ladies do this too. And it, it's going to help your life. It's going to ease tension so much doing that something positive and do it just because not because there's a birthday or anniversary or some bullshit coming up. Don't, especially long time relationship people. I've been married 21 years. I don't do any, I fucking hate Valentine's days and birthdays and anniversaries. I hate them because I, I don't believe in just doing it that day. It's stupid. It creates pressure and you don't know where you're going to be in your life at on a Tuesday in June or something. You don't know. It's dumb just a dumb thing, especially you've done it for you know, my wife and I've been together almost 30 fucking years, 26, I think 27 years, 27 years as of November, 27 years. I mean, we've been through all this shit. We don't need to do it. The only thing impresses her is when I do something, she doesn't expect, keep it, keep that element to your relationship. You'll be in good shape. So there you go. Pappy man's coming through in the clutch for everybody. All right, other uh, by request, you guys want to hear about my cash game lineup and that lineup build um, from this previous week. I can't promise I can do this every single week. There's a lot that I want to get to, but I'm happy to oblige anybody um, with it. So this past week, I'll go through the FanDuel um, lineup build with everybody. Core four given out on the Sirius XM show, Elite Sports, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Core fours for FanDuel, DraftKings, and SuperDraft. Always in my article, the cash game breakdown, uh, exclusively on EliteFantasy.com, only place in the world you get it, along with my offensive line, defensive line matchup reports, my wide receiver cornerback or coverage matchups reports. All of that is exclusive to my article on EliteFantasy.com. So, um, chances are you listen to the podcast, you know what the core four was. It was Patrick Mahomes, Trey Sermon, Corey Davis, Travis Kelsey. Okay. So that everybody, um, that's what you know, the, the core four is all about. And that's what it was over this uh, past week. Now, um, the, you know, I, I try you know, I, what you need to do, what everybody needs to do in DFS, it, I've broken this down many times in many different ways. We've got articles, we've got the projections, exactly the stats that we're looking for. We have all it all on elitefantasy.com. But ultimately, on in a FanDuel lineup, what we're looking for is 128 
plus fantasy points. 128 fantasy points will cash 70% of the time on FanDuel. This is documented through the last four years. Um, and we're going, we're in the fifth year now. And again, the pay lines were about 114 this past week. So 128, 128, 128, 128, 128. That's what you need to do. If you can just get that, you're in good shape. And we've broken it down further on the site. You want 20, you know, if, if you just divide that by nine, it's 14 and a half points per player is kind of what you're looking for. But obviously certain, you're not going to get that out of a defense and, you know, tight ends very, you know, unless it's Kelsey, which I always play Kelsey, uh, you'll get that. But 20 points out of quarterback. And then, you know, you're kind of looking for that 12 uh, point value player to kind of balance that out. And then 14 and 14 with upside as well. So that's, that's the quick version of what we're looking for. So, you know, if you're looking for, um, you know, 14 points per player and you're looking at the core four, you're looking at wanting what about 56 points out of, uh, out of your core four roughly. And again, this is, not every week is like that. Not every week. It's depending on the positions that you use and the players that use and the amount of salary you use. I mean, that's just academic that it's not all going to work out that way. But if you look at that core four on FanDuel this week and uh, Mahomes, Sermon, Davis, and Kelsey, kind of you, you start to understand that the core four is not a cheat code for you or any, any of us to win that week using those players. Now, I did a full stop there on purpose. You need to understand that. The core four are the four pillars that will put you in position to fill out the rest of your lineup to go over that 128-point threshold and to cash in single-entry cash games, 50-50s. That's what we're looking for and doing it consistently, 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 consistently is what's important. So I took that core four um, and then had a decision to make biggest decision of the make. Uh, do I pay up for Derek Henry? Because paid top to Mahomes. I chose Mahomes over Josh Allen for a couple of reasons. Josh Allen was in too lopsided of a, a contest uh, against Houston. I knew he'd do well and he was safer. But I felt Mahomes was incredibly safe because, well, he's the best player in the world and they were playing Philadelphia. And that move ultimately is what put us over because Mahomes went for 32.7, whereas Josh Allen went for 21. And that 11-point difference, based on how my, the rest of my lineup went, that's the difference between winning and losing. And uh, straight out, four touchdowns and Patrick Mahomes was – barely above that line. But when he threw, he threw a 44 yard touchdown pass, even with them up three scores against the Philadelphia Eagles. And that played exactly into why Mahomes lower ownership and back is against the wall, a must win game. Andy Reid coached there. They were going to run this up. They weren't going to stop. There was no letting off the gas and they didn't. That's why you got five touchdowns. And that fifth one is really what did it. Because before that, he had 230 yards and four touchdowns, which is great, and still put us in position to cash. But that was the gravy. 
and then we, you know, so that that's the Mahomes reasoning. Um, I'm not going to get into Travis Kelsey just because, uh, um, all right, I'll get into this. Travis Kelsey is a, has to be anytime's in the main slate. He has to be the guy. Uh, very rarely would I ever trade Kelsey for another tight end paying down. Doesn't make any sense. He's command. He hasn't commanded the position for a year and a half. It's been five consecutive years, his price. When you take all everything out and you take their value at their position, Travis Kelsey, according to my projection should be almost an $11,000 player. I'm using my whole mouth to say this to you. 8,000 is a ton to pay for him, but he's worth 11,000. Nobody comes close. You have to get a touchdown. Otherwise you lose tremendously at the position to Travis Kelsey. Now he didn't perform well this week, but the great thing is he's 80% owned. This is something a lot of folks don't understand. Anytime a player is 80% owned, he doesn't win you anything. He doesn't lose you anything. It's a free square. You could choose in a cash game environment. An 80% owned guy is just worth taking because you can't afford to lose to that player and be behind 80% of the field with the rest of the, you can't, you might as well just drift with them. Take the 80%. That's why ownership matters. So that's why. Kelsey's a no brainer who did not hurt you. He only scored four points, but nobody, it didn't, it literally did not matter. So, um, you know, with that being said, no, no brainer. If you were in a GPP and some player was 80% owned, that's where you fade him and you play somebody else. Somebody possibly leverage it who would directly benefit from his failure. If you're capable of doing, if you do that, then you're in that 20%. You've got a lead on the 80%. See, you, you, your path is quicker to the top. In cash games, you only worry about being in the top 50%. And you do this with a zero fat mentality in your lineup, not by taking robust chances and paying all the way down. And this is why I prefer FanDuel over DraftKings is because DraftKings forces you because of their tight pricing to pay down for ultra terrible low players that either boom or bust and essentially touchdown. They boom. They don't, they bust. That's not fantasy football to me. That's not DFS to me. It's just highly unnecessary. So, um, you know, the Kelsey thing, it, it didn't help, but it didn't hurt. Didn't matter. He could have got a thousand points, literally a thousand. And it would not have got us any, better of placing maybe two you'd have moved up two spots possibly right and chances are a thousand points no it wouldn't because anybody didn't use them those 20 percent of the people they're automatically lost no matter what they're out so it doesn't didn't really it wouldn't even improve that spacing and him getting zero points or negative 15 it, it wouldn't have any bearing either you'd lose to the 20 percent and then you'd still have a 30% of the field to beat. So the rest of your lineup would have to beat the other 30% at the other position in theory. So that's why it doesn't matter. Hope you guys understand that. Cause if you don't understand that it's okay, by the way, I'm not trying to shame you I, on Twitter. I, I understand. I have limited characters. I say that and people get offended. Fuck you, man. I don't mean to be condescending or rude or anything. I don't mean it. My job is to help you. That's the job I have. 
I don't want to, I don't have to prove I'm smarter because I'm not just not. I have a weird ability to win in fantasy sports and that's about it. I'm not telling you to do anything else except how to keep your relationship happy. Yeah. Experience. That's something I learned. Throw that out there, but yeah, I don't, uh, I know you're shaking your heads right now, but that, that's where I'm at with that. Anyway, um, just trust me. Just, just shut the fuck up and trust me. I, that's, I guess that's ultimately my point. Just, just trust me. This, I don't, I don't wonder anymore. There were years, 16 years in this business. There were many times I wondered many, many, many times. I don't wonder. I'm not skeptical. I'm not ooh. every now and then there are players and situations, of course, but, the overall process, and specifically in DFS, there's, I go into every week just knowing if I put in the work that there's no stopping us. There's no possibility of stopping us. Like, we're going to win, or we, we have the advantage every time. And, yeah, it's not going to work out. It's four for four this week, this year. It's not going to work out every time. We understand that. But more often than not, we're going to win, and we'll collect the profits. Back to the lineup build. So, um, then at the running back position, it was you know, based on the build, paying up at quarterback tight end and down at Trey Sermon and Corey Davis. We had two extreme values in there. So we're right in that pathway, right in the uh, the wheelhouse of, uh, you know, mid-tier. We can go either way. We could go pay up for running back. We could pay up for wide receiver. We had the decisions to make. And um, it was basically Derrick Henry last week. Like, what do we do? Derrick Henry? Or do we pay down, use somebody lower, and try to, you know, sort of pay up or go to the mid, you know, upper middle tier where there was a bunch of very good values for us this week? Like, which side was better for us? And that was ultimately that was the biggest decision for us because what to do from there, um, whether to use Derrick Henry or not, because there was no other running backs in my mind, at least that were worth paying up for. It was Derrick Henry or bust. And it was a very tough decision. Um, you know, it was just a very tough decision because I didn't know, you know, he was the entire offense for the Tennessee Titans right? It was him or not nobody else. And I knew he would have a good outing. I knew he's going to get fed the ball. I knew he'd be even invested or uh, used in the passing game more often than he has been. And he's been doing that a lot this year, but so that was the question. Ultimately I decided against it. And I'll tell you the reasons why I decided against using Derrick Henry. Number one, I liked the blend of the lineup a lot more. Um, I went into the week, you know, I never know what the opposition is going to do. You get your ideas, but then you see it and it's basically optimizer based. As long as you're keeping track of what other optimizers are doing, because everyone's lazy. No one builds their own lineups anymore. Very few. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably one of select few that build their own lineups. People just fucking plug, 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 plug. That's all they do. Um, but nevertheless, that's, uh, you know, that's how you gain an advantage as well. And um, ultimately, I knew that using all of that salary is going to force us. We already had Corey Davis at a low end. We were going to have to use 
the uh, probably one if not we're gonna have to use Trey Sermon as we mentioned who is a value we're probably gonna have to use a third running back for value or possibly you know I wanted a third running back if I used Henry because um we wouldn't you'd hope Derrick Henry would get a boatload of yards and he wouldn't get anything uh, a boatload of yards and then the other you didn't need upside from that third position and you just got whatever guy would touch the ball a lot and I actually thought uh, I was thinking about Michael Carter in that role now he turned out to have worked out um Carter scored a touchdown and all that but um whatever I didn't go that direction so it didn't matter I mean Henry did great you know 150 yards see think he scored right yeah he scored touchdowns so just didn't he didn't pop like you'd hope and my running back the ones i did use chuba hubbard is who i ended up going i I ended up going hubbard and sermon mostly well because i wanted the that mid-tier wide receiver i really wanted that mid-tier wide receiver i felt good about that and sermon was going to come in a lot less owned than he should have and a lot less and he turned out to be only about 25%, 30% owned in cash. I was actually projecting lower, about 20 to 25% on Sermon going into the slate, which I felt was way too low. And Hubbard was coming in at, he came in at 70% owned, right? And I was, by the time you know Sunday got here and I did my update to the article, he was, I was projecting over 50% ownership. And I'm like, well, fuck it. You know, there's not nearly as many Henry owners. So I kind of drifted with that. Said, all right, I'll pay down. Hubbard and Sermon, that was the way I uh, I ended up going. Um, by the way, core four um, produced. Remember, we're looking for about 56 points. It got 65. Uh, and pay lines were 14 points down. If you prorate that, we were looking for about 46, 48 points is what we needed from the core four. And again, I get 65. A um, little higher on the salary than we, you know, we'd like to use. We used about forty-seven percent of our salary for four, you know, for four out of the nine positions. But don't forget, uh, you know, this is something people don't realize. You use fifty percent in your core four, roughly. Yeah, that's probably what we're going to use about fifty percent of the budget for that. Um, the reason being is the defense you're not going to pay that much for a defense. And if you're paying all the way up at 5k, you know, then you need to, you know, then the core four hurts a lot, but if you're going to use a 35 to $4,000 defense, um, using 50% of your budget on the core four is very much in line with what you're going to do. So just an FYI there. Uh, um, so the core four worked. Shuba Hubbard did not work. Didn't hurt us that much. Got eight, a little over eight points, right? Um, and that one thought he would catch the ball more. I've talked about Rodney Adams' involvement, um, that it's, you know, that was a lot that played a big impact in Hubbard. I thought, you know, we'd get at least three, four more points out of him. And so sub, uh, a Sermon and Hubbard got 19 or 17 points, I think, combined out of them for, um, you know, about $12,000. So, you know, or $11,000 of, Budget needed 22 out of them, and we got 17. So we're down a little bit, although home, you know, Mahomes went way up. So, you know, we're in good shape. So when that happens, you need your wide receiver to pop. Of course, Corey Davis did. I mean, Corey Davis was probably is the best 
price per dollar play. And he was a core four guy. That's stuff you don't get anywhere else. He's only 20% owned, scored 19.1 fantasy points. That's a, that's a cash game winner, my friends. That right there, that's what put us over. No question about it. The rest of the lineup I settled in on, I, I really loved the Atlanta-Washington game. I started liking that a lot more. And I Terry McLaurin was going to smash. He just was. He was my number one receiver in my cash game breakdown next to Corey Davis, of course. And um, so what, what's not to love, right? <laughs> Uh, what's not to love McLaurin was my number one guy in the article. Actually, come to think of it, Corey was third. McLaurin was first Devonte Adams second. So if you read the article, that's, you got to understand it's pretty much my lineup most of the time because McLaurin was there and him going out for 27, the two touchdowns and, uh, McLaurin was just 15% owned in cash games. So the, McLaurin and Davis fucking destroyed, just destroyed it. All right, so that I mean that's the winner with with Mahomes. Didn't matter what Kelsey did, and didn't even matter what our running backs did, really. Um, and they were serviceable, and that's the, that's why you use guys, the value players like that. When they fail, they don't quite get that two x return. Um, they still get 80 percent, and those guys get eighty percent of what we needed out of them. That way, you don't need too much juice on the other guys. And uh, we got it with McLaurin and Davis. The other wide receiver I used was Odell Beckham. I've vented my frustration. Baker Mayfield was the worst player on a football field in week number four. Missed Beckham on a 63-yarder all alone. I'm just all alone. Threw it to the wrong shoulder. One of the biggest misses of the week. But um, four points out of Beckham, not good, not good enough. Would have really helped if he could have connected on that bigger, that pass, but uh, didn't get to that. Um, and then the later thing, here's what I wanted to do. When I plugged McLaurin in, my goal was to use Ridley with McLaurin. Okay. That's what I, I wanted to use Ridley with McLaurin. I thought that was going to be the back and forth game, you know, sneaky shootout potential kind of did work out that way 64 total points in that game and uh you know Ridley seven for 80 was very solid but what i did there is what you do in cash games and when i talk zero fat and the fat is what if that game didn't produce okay what if mclaurin coming in at the low ownership meant we had if he went off we had a significant advantage but if we don't if he failed for some reason and then we would be at a big disadvantage if you know, the other seven era, 85% of the field had somebody that did go off. McLaurin got us four and you know, um, similarly priced player, Allen Robinson, for instance, or somebody went and got 27, we'd be in a lot of trouble. And so you have to think, okay, how does McLaurin fail? McLaurin fails. If this game is not back and forth, if Washington either, if Washington runs away with the game, that's basically how McLaurin, because if they're playing from behind, then we're totally fine. McLaurin will keep, he'll produce. He'll keep getting the target share is too great. So if the game's slow and slow, uh, uh, low scoring, slow paced and Washington pulled ahead, then we were kind of screwed on McLaurin. I, and that hurt would hurt Ridley too. So it wouldn't drop just one of our players or drop two of our players in a GPP. You'd play both of them because you need that. You need 
the shootout and then go back forth, back forth, like a pinball machine. In cash games, you don't need that. You balance out, you diversify. So we diversify. And instead of uh, McLaurin Ridley, we used McLaurin and Devontae Adams. So we had a late game stud sitting there against a the Steeler. I thought Steelers would be able to score a little bit. Um, now, Devonte Adams wound up being way higher owned. And the reason he was is because people pivoted to him. People pivoted to Devonte Adams when they were behind the eight ball. They didn't realize that Elite Mafia already had him because Devonte Adams was my second wide receiver in my write-up. Um, so I used my top three receivers in my write-up. I actually think Beckham, where's Beckham? Was he four? Yeah, I used my top four receivers. I mean... You know, uh, despite everybody telling me you have to use Cooper Cup, that's why everybody pivoted from Cup to Adams because they all thought it, and Cup came in a lot less owned to do diddly shit. But um, I use my top four receivers. And again, that's about how it goes in my typical lineup build. Um, and Adams, I was sitting there. We were sitting there fucking with Sermon and Adams about to smash the fucking world. And neither one did really nothing. Kind of uh, 70 points. But yeah, that sucked. Because we used the minimal price Jets defense who um, you know won, uh, won the game, but got a seven sacks in the ball game and still gave up a bunch of points. But, you know, did what we thought, thought they'd get a turnover in there and a little less score because Tennessee, all the injuries. But uh, for minimal price, we took it and it was a, a big deal getting those seven points. So, you know, this whole lineup wound up with 120.92 finished about uh, you know, hundred contests here. Anywhere from 28th was the highest finish that I see all the way to 44th, which is the lowest that I see in any of our 50, 50 cash games, mostly in the high thirties, mid thirties uh, out of you know 50 places that win. So cashed up 100% of contests as well. So that hopefully that clears there. Hopefully you guys got something out of, uh, this discussion at least. And again, I can't probably can't do this every single week, but I, I love to discuss the thoughts behind it and, and, and building the lineup and what we're looking for as well. And I, I really need everybody to understand the Kelsey thing, because if you don't understand game theory, fantasy sports overall, even the seasonal variety seasonal is different, but you need to know that you're not playing against yourself. You're not playing against you're not playing against like these players you're playing against opponents. And one last thing about last week is that Cordero Patterson in my fan duel contests. And I played in the gunslinger, the eight crazy eights, the five thirty five, the two twenty two, the four forty four, all those, you know, higher uh, stakes, GPPs, if you will, you know, $1,600, $800, $1,000. I, I played in a lot of these, these tournaments as I do every week. 0.0. Nobody owned him. Not a single share. Not one share. I know you guys will say, Jeff, 20% owned in mine. 16, 8. He's owned in all these other, right? This is the goal. I've broken out of playing in these competitions and these contests. The Millie Makers are just full of every player is going to be. 5% owned. There's not any player, every player, good, bad, mediocre, everything will be owned because you have all levels of player because that's what 
most attracts most people is that million dollar top prize. All right. Good players, sharp players, smart players, players that get an edge that listen to one man's opinion and elite sports and our elite mafia. We're too smart to win a Millie maker. That's not what we're doing. This is not the goal. The goal is to build a bankroll steady income all season long and then use that income to leverage against our opponents in these higher stakes competition. The every Tuesday, Ted nine and the elite sports show go over the pay lines. Pay lines is the amount of points it took to win a competition or a contest. And I know you guys are always flabbergasted how the thousand dollar contest had the winner for $20,000 or 20 uh, or the 1600 actually won a hundred thousand dollars had 180 points. Meanwhile, to win the million maker, you needed 240 points. Dramatic differences because the competition's better. You, you take out the randomness. Your goal is to, the only way to neutralize the randomness at the lower stakes games is to play cash games. Bill and stack and stack and stack. Time, it's like, uh, uh, you know, um, the study of rock formations and things, right? That's, you just need time. And, and uh, pressure, right? Pressure versus time. That's what you have to do and build the bankroll, build the bankroll, build the bankroll, build the bankroll, build the bankroll. Then you get to a point where you're like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm not playing in these garbage five, one, two, five, $10 GPPs where there's hundreds and hundreds, there's 600,000 people or at least 600,000 entries in these million makers. It's fucking worthless. I mean, fucking worthless. No, a good lineup's never going to win that. Never. It never does. That's why sharp players don't even build. The, that's why a lot of these guys get used to not building their own lineups is because they just, they need the computers to spit out something they wouldn't even think of because that's what's going to win. It's some fucking complete garbage. So if you're trying to win a Millie maker, do less research, throw more darts at the wall, build shittier lineups. That's your goal. If you want to be a good player and win time and time and time and time again, listen to our analysis and what we do on elitefantasy.com. That's the way to do it. So uh, nobody used Cordell Patterson. He was a nothing, a zero. And I understand I've seen screenshots. I was surprised at how old he was in some of these contests, but um, not nothing in mind, a zero. And that's kind of where, you know, a lot of us are, Sometimes I say players that sucked and you guys think he's great. That's where the disconnect comes from. Is this different competition, but do remember the game theory element here where I know that nobody's using Patterson last week. I knew it. So I knew it didn't matter when he was scoring. It didn't even affect me. It didn't nothing bothered me with that. It wasn't owning cash games, not single entry. Nobody Nobody said, I got to get him in my single entry. And if they did, it's a, a low amount of people and awesome for them. But we could still, we don't need to have him to win. That's knowing that, understanding that, and that an 80% owned player, whether he gets one or 100 points, to, simply doesn't matter. It's a free square. You move on. You're not going to move up. You're not going to move down. If you have Travis Kelsey, if you're in 10th place of a GPP, of an 80% owned Travis Kelsey, and he's the last player left, and he scores five touchdowns. In your mind, you're like, I'm running away with this, this whole competition. It's over. Except for the fact you likely don't even move up one place. 
not even one place, probably, maybe one. In theory, if you just use straight math, you'd move up two places, right? 80%. That's it. You don't win it because other people have him too. And that doesn't give you an advantage. All right, let's get into uh, some other things here. Um, how about Urban Meyer? By, by the way, that's why you go and buy the just because flowers. Like Urban Meyer's a fucking scumbag. Wow, man. The, I, I, can't, I couldn't talk about this on the XM show, but the go look at his wife's Twitter. His wife was talking about he because the first picture with Urban Meyer, with him, with the chick that grinds on him, he she actually comments on that and retweets it or quote tweets and says, Meanwhile, I'm giving my kids a bath or your, our grandkids a bath and shows them in the bathtub playing with the toys and things. It's like, okay. And then this dude, like two hours later, this dude's stinky finger and chick on the dance floor, like, what I fucking scumbag dude yeah you know again there might be some of you guys are 25 years old even 30 35 years old and you're like no oh, it's a big deal it's fun totally get it young guys full of i get it there comes a point in your lives though gentlemen where you're 40 like i'm 44 years old right now i used to rage drinking drugs i did everything and a you know, dance floor dude oh fuck debauchery Nobody wants a 44-year-old fucking tearing it up. It's the saddest, most pathetic thing in the world. You've got to know your place. That's back in my Frosted Tips days. Everybody had them. We are all fucking partying. We're raging. That's what you did. And then you got older, and it's, it's fucking sad now. And your 56-year-old grandfather, get the fuck off the bar stool, dude. It's fucking pathetic. I want to be young, bro. No, it's not, but it's not cool. It's, nobody wants it. It's, it's, the whole thing's fucking nuts. Yeah, that's it. Urban Meyer. Fuck him. Um, I got to move on. I talked way more DFS today than I thought I was going to do. Oh, let's do some analysis. I want to get to um, other things I didn't get to this on the Sirius XM show. Some of this, the information that I use to get it, that I put into my DFS analysis and then the cash game breakdown on EliteFantasy.com uh, over there as well. I mentioned the big three, right? Yeah, email support at EliteFantasy.com if you want all three. We have a special running for – this is the last week to get all three for 250 bucks. rest of the year. That includes all the playoffs, all the bets, all the DFS, not just my stuff, all the discords, all the shows, all the podcasts, all the live streams, all the chat sessions, all the coaching sessions, all the seasonal analysis for your trades and waivers and projections and rankings and playoff – um, league settings and all that shit. Everything we do, everything. All right. Uh, so get in there and uh, and get that support at elitefantasy.com as well. I want to talk about teams that I'm targeting. You know, we're through four weeks, and I feel that after four weeks, we start this is where we start to really use this year's data more and more for in order to uh, get you know keep us on at the advantage. Why have we won four straight weeks in DFS? Why we're doing pretty well in seasonal. I'll say there's some, some of my big calls in seasonal have struggled. You know, the Allen Robinson's have struggled, but Austin Eckler's a fucking stud, right? I mean, the, most of my seasonal teams are right online. Again, I want to be one in three or better after the first four weeks. And I've got one team out of 20. That's all one four. Just so I, I think it's listener league. If I'm not mistaken, it's fucking ridiculous. But, you know, my listeners kicking my ass. If anybody's going to kick my ass, 
I'm glad it's a listener. Trust me. Better than one of these industry fucks. But anyway, um, so now we start to use this year's data and what matters and what doesn't. I just, a couple, I wanted to point out a couple of teams in which um, the, to target against when it comes to the running game versus the passing game as well. So um, what we call like a pass funnel defense where you're targeting some guys that, uh, defenses that you're targeting your receivers, your quarterbacks against. And number one is Tampa Bay. Carlton Davis carted off this past week. Jamal Dean's been banged up. I mean, this, this team is destroyed. And if you want to make adjustments in season and have your team better and do better analysis and, and starts and sits and everything, look at the injury report. Cause you'll see teams that, are pretty good against the run or pretty good against the pass or even good offensively running the football or passing the football, but yet they have offensive line problems or defensive line problems, what have you Tampa Bay. You can't run against them. Vita VA and Adamakong Sue and JPP. You're not running against them. It's next to impossible, but you're every team should just pass the ball 60 times against Tampa Bay. Show the run here and there, you know, fart around with it. But it's a – you have to throw because the secondary is in trouble. So, Tampa Bay is one of those defense. The other one is Washington. What the fuck is going on? That I mean, it's a team that is absolutely not good defending the pass anymore. No idea. Fourth worst DVOA against the pass. Absolutely bottom of the basement. I don't know what – exactly is happening i know william jackson cannot play his own coverage i know uh brandon st just is atrocious and we attack against him every week in dfs my cornerback model st just is a bottom five guy every single week benjamin st just what did i say brand i have brandon dude you play better i'll pronounce your name right that's that's my philosophy but um washington better against the run especially yeah, I'll tell you the gamesmanship against Washington with Jonathan Allen is in the middle. They want teams want Jonathan Allen to line up outside. That's what they want. And then they could attack the middle. Otherwise they have to run to the edges where Jonathan Allen goes is where you run to you run at chase young. You run at Montez sweat. These guys are exceptional edge rushers and against the pass come around that end. But you can run right at them because they're light and they can be taken off real easily by tackles and guards. Even fullbacks come and put a plant in them. And uh, so potatoes, throw your receivers and quarterbacks against them. The Texans, Texans are just terrible. We know Vernon Hargreaves. Vernon Hargreaves is getting a pass because of how bad Bashad Breland and Benjamin St. Juice has been playing. Like he's, he's, he's fucking atrocious. Um, Steelers, Pittsburgh, really bad against the pass and, you know, tougher against the run. You can run against Pittsburgh. I, I wouldn't be afraid to do that, but at the same time, um, you know, just a real terrible team or eighth worst DVOA uh, against the pass this season. I know. And, um, uh, second worst in PFF they, and their pass coverage. Over for me, they're fourth worst in pass coverage. Uh, just 
bad defensively and you throw against Pittsburgh, use your receivers against them. You look at this week, Denver Broncos, be interested to see Teddy Bridgewater can pass through concussion protocol. I would love Drew Locke against this Pittsburgh defense, a gunslinger for Cortland Sutton and company. Let's go. Um, and then the other one's the Tennessee Titans. Titans, that inexperience in the secondary. We've been picking on them just about every week. And uh, they continue to disappoint, disappoint, disappoint. And, you know, PFF does not agree, but uh, PFF has them in the middle of the pack, 15th best uh, pass coverage. In, in according to their model, they are second worst, according to mine. So big difference between them, those two. I will use receivers against Tennessee. Furthermore, it's very tough to run against Tennessee. Um, it just is. I, I wouldn't, I do not want to run against the Tennessee Titans. So, um, yeah, I don't think you're going to be very effective doing so either. So use your receivers. Uh, good news for guys like LaVisca Chenault and Marvin Jones Jr. Now that DJ Chark is out for the Jacksonville team this week. Teams to target against on in the run game um, are running backs. Now, running back production is way down. We mentioned this each of the last two weeks, and it continues to disappoint. Uh, I mentioned this on the SiriusXM show, but how many of you realize that Chase Edmonds is a RB one on the season. None of you, nobody realizes that because it's insane, but yet here we are, he's producing, uh, you know, almost 15 points a game. And as of right now, there are 11 players. He's 14.9 points, 11 players, David Montgomery out, obviously for the next four weeks, Pick up Damian Williams if you haven't done so already, but he's averaging 15 points a game and Edmonds is right under him. Uh, David Montgomery has three touchdowns on the season. Edmonds has none. See, and that's where like a guy, Chase Edmonds, a great buy low candidate for everybody because the touchdown variance is coming his way. If he continues this 66% of snaps, not getting goal line carries, but he will get touchdowns receiving and running. And uh, that's going to, catapult him up just because of how bad the rest of the what running backs are. So matchups, matchups become that much more important and the run funnels on defense this year at, at Miami dolphins. We saw it even, um, you know, in week number four, Miami dolphins just do not stop the run. They have exceptional secondary this season and haven't last, but teams are starting to realize, all right, stay away. Don't throw against them, especially if you have an inexperienced passer, Jonathan Taylor tore him up 16 for 103 and a tutty on the ground this past week. The Colts ran for 140 yards and that touchdown against Miami. I think teams are going to do this constantly. I think Tampa Bay this week. I think Leonard Fournette's a sneaky little play. Maybe just maybe a DFS play as well. Um, other teams, New England Patriots. I don't expect Houston to do dog shit against them, but New England's not good against the run or they with you know they got rid of Gilmore this past week um Stefan Gilmore the Patriots have decided that now the Patriots are sort of a hybrid because they can trick you if you're a run heavy team like Tennessee they will stack the box and bring everybody and stop the run and make you pass but what they're doing in their base defenses this year is they're bringing seven men back they're rushing just three or four guys on the highest percentage in the league, but, um, and that's causing them to give up yardage on the ground. 
but they prefer that. That's Belichick's design to give up yards on the ground as opposed to big plays through the air because he doesn't have a lot of confidence in his secondary. They're fourth worst DVOA against the run, by the way, this, this year, New England Patriots. So you start the running backs against them. The Jets, surprisingly, Jets have good players against the run, but they're giving up um, their pass right you know, it's about blitz schemes and coverages for Robert Sala on that defense of why the Jets actually uh, are giving up production via the run this year. Um, I don't know long-term if that's going to hold up, but they're doing something similar where they're dro- dropping more players back into coverage. And uh, in order, they either drop back into coverage or they send everybody at the house and blitz. There's no real in between. So when they get caught, and bringing everybody, and they got caught in those draw plays, the Jets have been giving up huge chunk yardage. So running backs against the Jets. Uh, Cowboys, Chargers, two other teams that are struggling, are much better against the pass right now than they are against the run. And Cowboys owe that all to Trevon Diggs. Because Trevon Diggs, I don't know how – I said it going in last week, and then they threw at him twice. I don't – they actually threw him four times. Picked two of them off. I don't know why you're going at him. I don't understand You've got Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, two of the softest corners in the league on in the middle, Jordan Lewis on the end, Anthony Brown for Dallas. And you're throwing to Trevon Diggs and you're fucking lunatics trying to do that. So um, he's banged up going in this week. We'll see how the New York giants go against them, but it's causing a funnel to the run game for the Dallas Cowboys as well. So um, take that into consideration as well. Let's get into some starts and sits for this week. Week number five, ladies and gentlemen. Again, my rankings all up to date. Fantasyguru.com. Good Thursday night game. Rams in Seattle. Rams need this one. They shit the bed this past week for sure. Some players that I like. I have professed my undying love for the Burrow of Joe. I love Joe Burrow to death. Some of the things that he does... I've explained this on the Sirius XM show. I won't quite get into it. He allows the least amount of pressure in the National Football League better than Aaron Rodgers right now. That's recognition. That's looking players off. Um, you know, what that means is there's it's 11 on 11 on a football field, right? Everybody understands that. Well, everybody has to account for somebody, and that includes the quarterback. This gets lost because if you take the – if a quarterback – can't neutralize a, at least one defender, if not multiple, then that's really 11 on 10, isn't it? That means the blocking, especially if you've got guys going out and running routes and all that, you've got 11 on 10. And if you got that, it comes down to who, you know, if you get single coverage on the outsides, let's say, um, you, and let's say your running backs can't block worth a shit, or if you get a small diminutive guy in there, that can't hold up against the pass rusher. Now you're starting to talk about nine on seven scenarios in favor of the defense. And that can get quarterbacks hurt and sacked and it could shut down an offense. So Burrow is unbelievable at looking safeties off, looking coverage off, identifying where pressure's coming from, getting away with it physically, also neutralizing by staring down a spot on the field to move safeties moving somebody down away from where he's going with the football and he's exceptional with Jamar chase at 
in the hot route game where when pressure comes from an area, Chase gets to that spot and Burrow throws it to that spot. And it's been working like a charm. So Burrow's in my top 12 this week, even against Green Bay. I actually love the matchup against Green Bay at home because that's, I think the Rodgers can put up points. I think the Packers will put up points, cause Burrow to throw. I think Joe Mixon being out helps the offense. It helps the Cincinnati offense. If you were to throw Joe Burrow 60 times a game, this offense would, this team would be better off. You can't say that with everybody. You need that balance and all of that, but Mixon being out is going to help the production of Joe Burrow. It's going to help the overall Cincinnati Bengals offense. So he's in my top 12. Kirk Cousins in my top 12. Chase Edmonds, I just mentioned, I like this game plan for him. Um, Against San Francisco, I, I, you know, another big divisional game. Don't get too high. You know, everyone, I don't. 49ers, disappointing. They're likely going to start Trey Lance this week. Trey Lance is a guy I'm benching for sure, not starting him. Yes, I would start Justin Fields over Trey Lance this week. We always say no to rookie quarterbacks if we can help it. I like both Fields and Lance long-term from the fantasy standpoint, but I like Fields a lot more. Having said that, Chase Edmonds is just a, in a really good spot, constantly producing. He's one of those you know slow but steady guys. A ton of receptions, a ton of targets as well, and uh, that's you know really where he's going to make his nut. The San Francisco 49ers have given up the seventh most receptions to running backs this season, and they've given up the eighth most receiving yards to running backs this season. So. This happens with over-pursuit, edge rushers that over-pursue, and that's what San Francisco does. And I think it plays right in Chase Edmonds' hand, possibly big gains, chunk yardage in this one. Um, other players that I am starting, we'll see. Christian McCaffrey's back at practice and a limited duty on Wednesday, so we'll monitor that situation. If McCaffrey's in, obviously start him. Um, Chuba Hubbard is a top 24 guy for me this week as well if McCaffrey's out against the Philadelphia Eagles. So I like Chuba Hubbard if he plays. Damian Williams taken up for David Montgomery. He's an absolute start for me this week as well. Another guy inside my top 20, uh, Damian Harris for the New England Patriots. May A lot of us don't like the um, – we, we don't like what we saw Damian Harris the last couple of weeks. We don't like what we saw the fucking Patriots for the most part. But we can't deny this is a very uh, heavy – uh, run play offense in New England. They, um, you know, call a lot of offensive uh, running plays, especially with a lead. They're sixth in the NFL with a lead. They haven't had it in the last couple of weeks, but they run a lot. And you're going to run it all over Houston, Texas, as we know. So um, I like Damian Harris this week, Robbie Anderson in my top 36. So keep going back to him. My, explanation for Robbie Anderson is this you can't DJ Moore defenses are going to have to key on DJ Moore there's no way around it you know it's not maybe it not might it's have to they're going to have to key on him because Sam Darnold's not going anywhere else with the football and it may take a couple of weeks even for this to happen but the matchup is good against Philadelphia at home this week for Robbie Anderson so I'm willing to dive in and go there however the um, when he does, it's going to be an explosion for Robbie Anderson. 
you're going to get all the lost points for Robbie Anderson for, for like three weeks running in one monster 25 to 35 point week. Like that's, what's going to happen. And uh, I think that's, uh, you know, an important thing to know as well. And could be this week when nobody's really expecting it. So he's in my top 36 Um, other players. I love LaVisca Chenault, Juju Smith Schuster, uh, Evan Ingram, top 12 tight end. Don't, don't look at your waiver wire for Evan Ingram. If you're not a Kelsey or Waller owner, there are, I have Goddard, Kittle, Pitts higher on my board right now than I have Evan Ingram. That's the list. Like that's basically it. Um, and I, you know, so just, you know, be very careful when it comes to that as well. And I just, uh, want everybody to know that Evan Ingram, not, not a bad play at all. And he, I see him on waivers, man. I picked him up several leagues. It's my second tight end. A couple of leagues I'm running out Gusecki who finally coming around two good weeks, pick up Evan Ingram. Fuck it. Like I'm not letting people get him for free. That's, that's not, uh, uh, that's not what I'm doing. So there we go. Um, what else? Oh, let's get into the, uh, the sits of the week. Then those, those are the guys that would surprise you a little bit in my rankings. I'm benching Sam Darnold. A lot of that productions, a lot of that production is running base, five rushing touchdowns. You know, that leads the NFL, most rushing touchdowns in the entire NFL running backs, everybody. That's pretty freaking wild to me. Um, can't count on that. Ryan Tannehill. I want no piece of this even if julio came back which was practicing today aj brown less likely but um not a matchup even though jacksonville it's a good it's a great matchup i just think they'll run right over it's gonna be run derrick henry that's that's what it's going to be i'm not using cordero patterson you guys are out of your minds i know you will i know you're going to do it just remember pappy man's gonna yell at you when you do josh jacobs is gonna sit against the bears defense now I will say this, monitor the Bears defense. Akeem Hicks, what happens with him? Akeem Hicks is an absolute monster. He's like a Grady Jarrett who stops the run. If he left the game last week, we'll see how banged up he is during the rest of this week. If Hicks is out, you could fire up Josh Jacobs. But if he's in, I'm he's outside my top 24 at least. Latavius Murray. Hold on Tyson Williams, everybody. I don't believe that this is the future. I don't think they're going to go with Freeman, Bell, and Murray as their running backs. I, it's just not going to happen. Keep Tyson. I'm benching Lat Murray against Indy this weekend. Michael Pittman's on my bench. Tyler Boyd, likely with T. Higgins coming back, will be on my bench. Brandon Ayuk, just up and down, up and down. Uh, Arizona defense, a lot better than people coverage specifically better than people gave it credit for um, outside my top 36 as well. I'm not starting Cameron Brait. Give me Evan Ingram every day. Uh, Brait, if you picked him up for Gronkowski and that's your play, I get it. You could start him, but he's outside my top 12. And uh, also like done with uh, um, Patriots tight ends. Like Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, both scored last week. Nah, brah. Not for me, no sirree, Bob. All right, um, let's get into our bets of the week. Now, hopefully, you guys have been monitoring the bets. And again, went twelve and one for the week, eleven and zero on Thursday through Sunday. I like the O. I like being eleven and zero. The twelve and one bothers me. 
Fucking Raiders Chargers couldn't get over 50 and a half. Give me a break on that, by the way. Um, talk about our survivor pick, first of all. I got a lot of people giving me credit and saying thank you for using the Bills last week. Why? The Bills were obvious. It shouldn't have taken anything. This is where we're talking about game theory and DFS and gamesmanship. It matters. And I think one of the biggest things that I bring to the table as an analyst is experience having seen it before, having done it before and all these competitions, whether it's confidence pools, which by the way, we have over at fantasyguru.com, our staff's picks, check them out every Thursday, whether it's betting, whether it's the survivor pools, whether it's guillotine leagues, like we have that, I have that experience, you know, our community, our group, if I don't have it directly, it's somebody in our crew has it like knows and I lean on them to help people or, point you guys to them right so um it's it's just crazy so that's why um people want to be cute and sneaky and i talked several people several of you probably listen to the podcast out of using the tennessee titans last week and because you thought oh i'm gonna save the bills no don't save anybody don't save anybody use empty the chamber every week and you know you moved on and there's a lot of people i'm in a super high stakes survivor pool and they're like 20 almost 25 percent of the field eliminated last week 25 percent of the remaining so it was huge just use the bills simple and easy um this week's not easy <laughs> this week's not easy and there are two teams that interest me from a survivor standpoint Tampa Bay at home against Miami. I think Miami just doesn't have the firepower. Um, even keeping it close. Uh, I think that there's too much with Tampa Bay coming off a, uh, a big win, you know, all that. Will there be a letdown? Maybe a little bit, but it's going to be better weather. And Brady was on pace, you know, throw 60 touchdowns this year. And that was derailed last week. So get back on that. I like the, the Bucks a lot. Now you may have used Tampa Bay already. So, totally understandable if you have the other one is new england against houston we'll play everybody against houston for sure but this is one of those where belichick will get these kind of wins the patriots aren't going one and four by losing to houston now this is one <sighs> that like if you bet houston plus nine i'm fine i'd be fine with it i think it may be closer it, this one will scare us but when push comes to shove, I mean, New England just put Tampa Bay to, backs to the wall, right? They just did that, and they're going to find a way to win this game. That's what Belichick does. The coaching staff does. They have enough firepower, uh, enough talent to lean on Houston and win. So I don't think there's another game I would want New England on. So I'm leaning towards them if that would be my first choice with Tampa Bay being my second choice, assuming I didn't use them already. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and that, that was it. I have used Tampa Bay in on elite, elite sports betting.com where I post my survivor picks of the week. Now uh, I do two entries just, you know, for those who do multiples and diversify and all that, but new England will be my first choice, even though they're on the road, but pretty confident in that. The second one, if I've used Tampa Bay already, that gets a lot tougher. I don't want to use Minnesota. I do think they'll beat Detroit at home. 
Minnesota needs a win, you know, a couple close games there. I'm not using green Bay on the road. Talked about that with Cincinnati. I'm not fucking with that game. Mm-mm-mm. I'm not using that. Carolina interests me against Philadelphia. Um, probably just way too risky for this point in the competition. I'm not touching Las Vegas against Chicago. Um, the other one, Dallas and Arizona, people are uh, in on them. I think the other one that I I'm, would use is I'd probably go Baltimore. Colts are tough, but Monday night in Baltimore at home and the raucous crowd, Baltimore's like is going to beat Indianapolis. And there's just nothing Indy has offensively to keep up with it with Lamar Jackson. So that would be my second dairy pick, New England and Baltimore, if you've used Tampa Bay. So there you go. Uh, bet of the week that I like a lot. I actually, a couple interesting bets this week. Um, let's try to keep the hot hand going. I got an over-under this week for you guys. How about that? Anytime there's there's trigger warnings when a total, a game total goes up into the 50s, we it had, you know, send alert. Okay, why is it going up the 50s? And then when it reaches 55, 56. By the way, 57 total right now for Buffalo and Kansas City. When you start getting that high of points, right, you start approaching 60, you need to seriously consider the under. Because it, you know how much has to happen in order for, you know, uh, uh, 60 points to be scored? There's a lot that has to happen. So that's true. And then conversely, when – over-unders expected totals drop into the low 40s and even the 30s. And that's where I'm at. Pittsburgh, Denver, 39 and a half. Just told you Pittsburgh's defense sucks. It can be thrown again. It could be thrown on. Denver's defense is great. It's going to be hard to throw, but veteran quarterback. With Deontay, with Claypool likely back, Juju Smith-Schuster, Najee Harris, there's firepower. There's a team at home with their back up against the wall. And I love Denver. I love that defense. But they're not going to completely, utterly hold them down. These two teams met last year and put up 50, almost 50 points, 46 points. 39 and a half is way too low. And if Bridgewater doesn't play, you got Drew Locke. Drew Locke is going to absolutely gunsling it. I mean, he's going to throw for a lot of yardage and he's going to move the ball or he's going to turn the ball over and it's going to lead to points Pittsburgh. Either way, this game totals 39 and a half is just too low. It's just too low. Modern NFL, anything drops in the thirties, you, you immediately should be hit hammering that over button just because there's too much offense. Um, so that being said, I like the over. That's the one. Denver Pittsburgh over 39 and a half. Lock it in soon. Looking for an upset this week. The uh, predicted Seattle upset last week, of course. I'll go Cleveland over the Chargers. I like both these. These are my babies. How about this? I mean, these guys, this is my favorite game of the week. These are my baby Browns and Chase the Charger teams from previous podcasts. Again, you guys seen what happens in LA with the Chargers. Go back to go back and listen to the chase the chargers episode back from early July and everything that, that I said was going to happen. It's happening. I love this game, but you know, minuscule underdogs, the Browns I'll take them. But if you want a bigger upset, give me Cincinnati against green Bay. I think it's sneaky. It's I, I think it's one of these weird situations where losing Mixon and not running the ball actually going to help a lot. And 
Green Bay seems to be shell shocked whenever they get punched in the mouth. And, you know, we saw that week one with the look at how bad that loss looks right now in week one to the Saints. You could just say it's fluky, but they didn't run away with against Detroit. They barely escaped against San Francisco and they never really, they were in command against Pittsburgh, but at, and that was at home. Eh, this, is, this is a wild, this is a big upset one, big upset. But I think that taking the three and a half points in Cincinnati solid um, in this game as well. So that would be my upset of the week. I mentioned the survivor, mentioned the upset, mentioned the bet of the week, the over on Steelers and the Denver Broncos. Well, that's it. I've run out of real estate, everybody. I don't want to keep you here forever and ever. Um, remember, check us out, elitesportsbetting.com, elitefantasy.com for all your fantasy sports and betting needs. Big three, send us an email, support at elitefantasy.com. Tell a man sent you and that you want the big three package, 250 bucks for the entire year. Treat yourself, everybody. We hit so many five, six, 17 parlays. The betting pays for itself. The DFS pays for itself. We've won four for four in DFS. The seasonal advice, having somebody in your corner, not just somebody, an entire team of people telling you what to do to make that trade. Don't make that trade. Um, go after guys like Wayne Gullman on the waiver wire, sneaky guys, obvious guys like Damian Williams, projections and rankings and the trends from around ESPN, CBS, and Yahoo as far as rosters are concerned, having us in your pocket, a brand new discord chat for everything we do. It's all well worth it folks. And again, if you belong to one of our sites already, you can simply say you want the big three and you get a massive discount from that, you know, towards what you already paid, just add on the other one or other two for what you haven't paid. Boom. You're set, right? That's how you do it. Again, support at elitefantasy.com And say you want that big three, follow me. At Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. Episode 86 in the books. Hopefully, you guys like this one. I didn't dick around this time. Didn't talk a lot of pop culture. Hopefully, I saved some relationships out there uh, for you as well, guys and gals. We'll uh, see you next time. Best of luck here in week five. We'll catch you on the flip side. If you disagreed, which you likely did, with some or all that you heard today, you know how to handle it internally, right? It's okay, because it's one man's opinion. See you next time, everybody. Deuces!